0: You know, sometimes uh, there are events in history that we go to on our road trips, Aaron, but other times there are song releases and album releases in a, a given week in rock history that are just so important, so monumental that we have to visit those, don't you think?
1: Yeah, they're kind of, well, they are they are iconic, like like we did with Sgt. Pepper, same thing.
0: Well, that's right. And so we've got an incredibly important album that we're going to be going to Los Angeles for to, to visit that, and then an incredible even more important song and we'll be going to new york so i tonight we're going to go coast to coast we're going to spend some time in new york and then we're going to cross the country and uh, head to los angeles what do you think
1: we're gassed up right you gassed up last night
0: i sure did and i learned my lesson man there's premium in there even though we're not leaving the country there's premium gas in there so
1: and you check the tires, right? Because the front of the right was a bit low.
0: Yeah, tires are checked. I even had an oil change done, so we are good oh, to wow, go. Oh, wow, look
1: at you. Awesome, man.
0: I'm proactive <laughs> all the way. That's me, Mr. Organization. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds awesome. Great.
0: All right, road trip time. Maps? Check. Snacks? Double check. Tunes? Check. I'm Tony Stewart. I'm Aaron Badgley. We are cruising the rock and roll highway in our way back music machine. Are you ready, my friend? I sure am. I have the feeling this is going to be the start of a great adventure.
1: Kind of a magical mystery tour.
0: Somehow I knew you were going to say that. I think we should go to New York first since we'll be spending more time there, but we're actually going to the pre-rock and roll era. We're going to head to uh, June 18th, 1948. So, uh, and something pretty exciting. Can you uh, punch that in and we'll head back?
1: Are we seeing a a Dodgers game? You know (laughs) what? Just kidding.
0: I would love to, wouldn't you? That would be amazing. Oh my gosh,
1: I would be so happy, Tony. I would be so happy. But I know we're not, but I'll punch it in anyways, okay?
0: Okay, sounds good.
1: Punched in. Punched in. MFT, MFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Yes, in a cigarette, it's the tobacco that counts. And Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. So for your own real deep down smoking enjoyment, smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike.
0: Man, I know that we uh, visit New York City fairly often, Aaron, but I never get tired of it. I love this place.
1: Oh, you and me both. You and me both. And as soon as those borders are open in our time, we're going on a road trip, my friend.
0: We are, and uh, Billy Joel is in the cards for sure, so.
1: 100%. 110%.
0: So... You know, New York in the 40s, does it ever look different, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, lots of uh, not so tall buildings that you can meet in a single bound, but uh, we're going to pull up on 51st Street to Columbia Records because today they're launching something revolutionary, and I mean revolutionary. Oh, they're yeah. launching the first ever 33 and a third RPM long player. That
0: is a game the, changer.
1: The album, yeah, yeah. So, Tony, you know how they used to do albums prior to this? Well, they were 78s, right? Yeah, you'd get like a a book with four 78s in it. And 78s had one song per side up to five minutes. And you'd have eight songs, and it was like like a book, but they would call it an album. Yeah, that's where the term
0: album came from, right? Because it was more like a photo album almost, and then with records in it, right?
1: 100%. Exactly. Isn't that cool? We we, we forget where these things come from, right?
0: Yeah, it's amazing.
1: So here's Columbia Records, and they're going to be launching the first album on 12-inch, which means what we have now. By the way, did you see the news on the weekend, Tony, that in 2020, records increased sales by 35%.
0: Didn't they outsell uh, CDs as well? Didn't vinyl? Yeah, Yeah, they they did.
1: Almost a billion dollars in vinyl being sold last year.
0: Incredible, eh? The the wave of uh, collectors and people just wanting... You know, wanting something different, right? Uh, this not the same, streaming, for sure.
1: Well, my wife would say that half that billing came from me. But anyways... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. She knows I'm kidding. Um, so here's the first album in 1948, and 22 and a half minutes per side. And here's the other thing that's really important. 78s were made of wax. So if you dropped a 78, square down... It's shattering into a million places. This was actually made on vinyl, um, and I'm not going to get into the technical thing all about it. I, I actually found an article from 19, June 19, 1949 or 48, explaining everything that's going on. But the the thing was that it fit 22 minutes per side, and guess what? The 12 inch was four dollars and eighty five cents to buy an album, but they also offered 10 inch vinyl. 10 inch would have two fewer songs two songs fewer than the album would have, and it would be about $3.85. And I don't think it's surprising, Tony, that the first albums released were all classical.
0: Well, yeah, because, you know, I was just going to be the classical nerd for a second, but uh, 22 and a half minutes uh, on one side, you know, if you, you can put uh, pre-Beethoven symphonies on one record, right, you'd have to flip them, but you could probably fit two, two movements on a side, right? So that was pretty huge.
1: Well, for the classical, because, you know, and we talked about this another time, is that on the 7-8, you'd have to keep flipping it over. Mm -hmm. Five minutes, right? (laughs) Or you do a very fast version. Um, (laughs) But there were 11 albums that were released that were not classical. Frank Sinatra Sings, Harry James, uh, For You Alone by Buddy Clark. And I'm going to say this, this is a joke, this is not a joke. Dinosaur Sings, which I actually own.
0: Oh, nice, nice
1: yeah I, and it was given to me about three or four years ago someone said do you like Donna Shore i like yeah I love Donna Shore they gave me this album it's an original 1948 it's just it's beautiful to listen to it sounds incredible so yeah so this day in 1948 uh, rock and roll was still a, you know a, a glimpse in someone's eyes but coming up man were the rock and roll albums that we grew up with you and me Tony
0: and, you know, I'm going to be Captain Obvious here for a second for listeners, but that's this is where the term LP comes from, right? Long playing disc.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people forget that. Like, it's like, you just say album LP, and, and these actually have origins. There was a long playing disc. That's right. Um, so, you know, uh, at that time, 78s were still the major, well, were the number one sellers. And the top five at that time, it's interesting because in the top five singles, into Billboard charts. John and Sandra Steele with My Happiness. Dick Hames, Little White Lies. Kay Kaiser, truthfully, Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> uh, I have a 78, I could show it to you. Um, Ken Griffin and Jerry Wayne with You Can't Be True, Dear. And number one, this is how he's credited, is King Cole, which is, of course, not King Cole, with Nature Boy. Yeah. But you know what's interesting, Tony. Is at that time, people were, so you had number one King Cole, Nature Boy, but Sinatra would release a version. He was at number 23 with Nature Boy. Vera Lynn was at number 21 with You Can't Be True. They'd be all these same songs, just covered by other artists. And uh, number 12 it's my favorite, Bing Crosby, (laughs) Now Is The Hour.
0: Oh, nice. Now Is The Hour is a great song
1: is 't that a great song I
0: love that song well I, we're both old souls right so we are
1: indeed and and, and you you're one of the few people I'm so happy that you know that
0: song oh gosh that's <laughs> a great song so I got hired to play for um like it was a 90th birthday party and they wanted to know if I could do all kinds of old songs from way back when so I've actually sang now is the hour before and a bunch of those old songs right bunch of bang I I, I, I sang at that party for about an hour it was great
1: I'd love to hear
0: that. Yeah, it was very, very cool. Yeah, just, you know, the piano and uh microphone and and playing uh, you know, thirties and forties tunes, right? So it's great.
1: Aren't they great songs and, and and I agree with you, we're both old souls. I think I hear this music and I and I have this bizarre attachment to it. That part of it was I grew up listening to some of this with, with my mother, but the other part is I think it just touches something deep inside me. So when I hear uh, Bing or Frank Sinatra or Sarah Vaughan—it's just it—it's it, just there, you know. And it's—I um, love the stuff. I love it. So,
0: you know, I was going to add something to this too. Is that back in the day, before record stores became really popular, I mean, people bought their records at furniture stores, furniture because yeah, they had to true. buy the big uh, phonograph. And and they all the furniture stores would have like a limited selection of records, so they would buy them there. It's so interesting.
1: Did I ever tell you that about five or six years ago I was in a junk shop and we bought a, from 1916? Nothing changed on it, gramophone which you wind up. You know? Oh, nice. Yeah, and it, what's really cool about it was it came with records. And to your point, they had some records that had stickers on them saying, you know, this was this this record was bought at such and such furniture store on Young Street. You know? Yeah. So, <laughs>
0: Yeah, very different. And then with the advent of the record store, of course, that all changed. And I guess, you know, by the time they finally started having standard uh, uh, formats, too, because way back when, there were so many experiments with uh, different record players and speeds and everything. But the 33 and a third really, you know, caught on and changed everything.
1: There was one called 16. Do you you ever hear about 16 inch? No. So that was a precursor and it was so it's much bigger than an album. And you played it at 16 RPM, and, and the old record players used to have 16, 45, 33, and 78 on it. Those are really impossible to find. Now. But you're right. There's all these different experimentations as to what would work best. And the 33 and a third seemed to um, – but you said something earlier about the, about the furniture stores. Now, you and I both grew up in relatively small towns, right? Yes. So when I was a kid, I bought my records initially at Simpson Sears
0: okay see my town we didn't even have a simpson sears so so uh we had a little mall uh, near my house so i would uh go to the little record store near there
1: oh okay okay nice so that's where i bought
0: my stuff but uh, yeah all the experiments with uh phonograph technology are amazing You know, the experiments with uh Quadraphonic sound and the first uh, stereo, uh, all of it, it is is fascinating and, and multiple needles and different sizes of grooves. Uh, Alan Cross actually did a, a series of that about that on his podcast, and it was fascinating.
1: Yeah, I I had to order um, old needles for the uh, gramophone from a some guy in you know upstate New York, but it's well worth it. It's so great,
0: you, so you got it to play, eh? That
1: uh... it plays perfectly. It plays 100 percent perfect
0: man i want to and you, see know how you, you
1: know you you know control the volume on it how there's these two doors oh. you open the doors it gets louder you close the doors it's quieter
0: oh very cool well at least
1: when you come when when you come and visit us i'll, I'll play some old jazz for you on that. yeah
0: i want to see that that'll be amazing i promise well what do you think about uh Jumping ahead to 1965, but we're going to be staying at uh, Columbia Studios. I, I think that's very cool. We've never done that before Stayed at the same place but uh, different years.
1: It'll be interesting to see how things change before
0: our eyes. Well, that's right. Now I'm going to have to just start up and drive to the end of the street because we have to be moving to uh, time travel. So,
1: well, we can get. Can we? You know what we should do is go to Coney Island first, grab a you know hot dog from that world's famous Nathan's, and then come back.
0: Okay. Sounds good. And then, uh, you know what? Let's punch in. We're going to go two days earlier though, in 1965. So punch it in for uh, June 16th, 1965. June 16th, 1965. Here we are. And you know what? A lot has changed uh, in less than 20 years. It sure looks different, doesn't it?
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. Look at the cars, convertibles and and people dress very differently. And
0: Oh, yeah. Very cool. I loved when we were back in the 40s. I loved the uh, fashion in the 40s, oh, the way me people dressed. Me too.
1: I, I watch old movies for that reason, you know?
0: Yeah, just the whole idea of just dressing up to go out of the house. It, yep. uh, very, very cool. So we are uh, at Columbia Records again because inside Bob Dylan is recording his most famous song. And according to Rolling Stone magazine, This is the most influential song of the modern era, of the rock era. And of course, I'm talking about Like a Rolling Stone. So he's inside there. uh, And they're working on the Highway 61 Revisited album, which of course is a classic, but unbelievable. So this song, he is recording inside as we speak. And uh, what a song.
1: But you know what? It didn't make number one.
0: No, it uh, was held off by a certain group from Liverpool, wasn't it?
1: who may they be
0: so let me yes it, it was it was help right that held it on. it was yep but so interesting and uh, you know you were talking about uh, beforehand about the session musicians right they, you had Mike Bloomfield and you had Al Cooper on that classic uh, Hammond organ part which is just part of that song I can't imagine that song without the uh, Hammond organ
1: I know. And he didn't even know how to play it. Um, He said in an interview, he knew so little about the organ, he didn't even know how to turn it on. But he was so desperate to play on a Dylan song that, uh, you know, he walked into the studio, sat down, and was delighted, you know, to see Griffin, Holden Griffin as a producer, manager, or engineer. Turns it on, and he just goes for it. You know, there's no music to read. The song is over five minutes long. The band is loud and 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 you know springsteen even talks about how is that what how did, what did springsteen say with the the snare shot sounded like somebody kicked open the door to your mind and yeah it's a great opening you know
0: oh for sure and uh of course bob dylan later said that he based the chord progression on la bamba and if you listen to the song you can totally hear it but this is important for another reason because this was the start of uh dylan's electric phase and uh I was watching earlier today with my grade 10 class, we were watching uh, his performance at the Newport Festival when he uh, sang this song and being booed, you know, by all the truists, uh, the purists in the crowd uh, because he was playing an electric guitar and...
1: Uh, with a band. And, and a band.
0: And a band. So that was uh, just not allowed, I guess, in the folk scene. But uh, So that was this is the start of uh, Dylan's electric phase as
1: well. And, and and funnily enough, one of the most peaceful human beings on the planet, Pete Seeger, was had to be held back. He had an axe trying to get to the cord to cut the power to Dylan's speakers. Can you imagine Pete Seeger running around <laughs> with an axe? Well, that's <laughs> like
0: <laughs> yeah. We were talking about that before the trip. You know, all these peaceful uh, peaceful folk protesters, but I guess it just didn't apply to the music. You know
1: no well you said they felt betrayed they felt the Dylan had sold out sold his soul um, I have a I have a concert he was booed in England as well but he toured you know who the backup band was right
0: no who was the backup band the band oh that's right okay yep
1: yeah so he he has the band back him up and at one point and I could I, you know Tony I gotta play it for you when, when you, again when you come over but you know Dylan's starting to play the song and someone yells out Judas like you know you betrayed us and Dylan looks at him and goes, "I don't believe you. Yeah, <laughs> like, just what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, he, it's a
0: song, man. Well, and he didn't get the whole like what you know. What's the big deal? Because I mean, Dylan was not afraid to change throughout his entire career. But uh, he took the uh, the inspiration of the Rolling Stone idea from a, a Hank Williams song, right? From Lost Highway.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. It. And it is, a, I mean, lyrically and musically, it's a perfect song. You, I, I defy you to find anything wrong with the song. You know? Yeah,
0: I agree. And um, oh. the poet, right? He was the poet. And the, as far as I know, he's the only musician, right, to win the, the uh, Nobel Prize for Literature?
1: <laughs> yeah. And then he didn't go and pick it up. He sent Patty Smith, um, <laughs> which I thought was, you know, such a Dylan move to actually oh, send Patti Smith.
0: And and an interesting guy, right? Such a, a tempestuous relationship with the media, just no patience for what he perceived as stupid questions. And uh, do you remember on our old show we uh, we talked about that interview where he just ripped into a reporter? Was uh, who was the reporter, do you
1: remember? It was in Australia. It was Australia. Yeah. Do you remember? And and the guy was they're at this press conference and the guy's asking they're really inane questions, but don't oh, that right. just
0: Not in the mood. And and he ripped into him for about five minutes. I mean
1: Have you even heard songs? Have you have you listened to the album?
0: (laughs) (laughs) But um you know I think my
1: favorite my favorite is when he lands in England and they say, How would you describe yourself? And he looks at the camera and goes, I I see myself as a song and dance (laughs) man.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah, very, you know, he uh, interesting relationship with the media. He was just himself, right? All through his career, he's he's out. Still is. Out. I yep, mean, you know, he,
1: he put out those three albums of, of Sinatra cover songs. I mean, who does that? You know, and in 2020 or 2019, he put out, in 2019, he put out an album called Triplicate, which was three albums of him doing the old Sinatra standards.
0: It's interesting, eh?
1: Have I, you heard his Christmas album?
0: Uh, yes, I have, actually.
1: It must be Santa? Yeah. Just, <laughs> that, that video kills me.
0: <laughs> well, Bob Dylan, right? Just such an individual. And uh, uh, Love him, love him. Yeah, now he just sold the rights to his catalog, didn't
1: he? Yeah, and and just just when the pandemic hit last year, I think maybe a month into it, he released a brand new song at the time called Murder Most Foul, which was about um, Kennedy. And it's, of course, in a typical Dylan fashion, it's, what, 21 minutes long? Great song, Bill. Great song. Great song.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, his lyrics, uh, you know, that's mostly what he's known for. And When I was, te- I was talking to the kids about him, I said, you know, just really listen to the words of the songs.
1: What, what did your kids think of him?
0: Well, uh, I asked them about that, and they said, you know, uh, some of them said, well, you know, he wasn't a terrific singer in terms of his voice, like a pure singer, right, like a Paul McCartney or someone like that, but... Um, but I said, you know, that was Dylan's style, right? And and it it was more about the message and the songs. I love Dylan singing personally. I think it's perfect for like the whole package, right? It it's mm-hmm. it's just Bob Dylan. And uh no one else sings like that. And um but the kids really got into the message behind the songs. Like I said, like really listen to these lyrics, you know? And uh and I think they enjoyed it actually. I asked them at the end of the class and and uh they said they just they found that interesting and and uh, of course the whole electric thing they found very interesting and the booing at newport and
1: that's did they know did they, did they did a lot of your kids know
0: uh, some did and i mean they knew like this song and uh blowing in the wind right they knew those mm-hmm. but uh but they they didn't get a, a deep dive like we did today so that was uh that was excellent
1: oh, yeah i you know what i i could talk hours but I, i'm a big dylan fan he's probably number two to the beatles for me. So like kind of the, the hierarchy. He's up there with the Beatles and, in my eyes and, and uh I was listening to I listened to this Irish radio station in the morning when I work and they played a song called Hurricane yesterday. About Hurricane Carter. Mm-hmm. And um it's like nine minutes long, and the DJ says, "It's a long song, sure, but just, just, just keep on listening to it. It's a great song.
0: Oh yeah, it's a, it, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's and fasc- it's a, and it's a song. fascinating story. Hurricane Carter's story is fascinating, right? So yeah, so cool,
1: so cool. Anyways, I loved, I love this thing about um, Highway 61 Revisited, and we just talked about the invention of the album, and you think. Were it not for the invention of the album, you wouldn't have a Highway 61 revisited. You wouldn't have a, like a Rolling Stone and
0: no, exactly. his next
1: album, Blonde on Blonde, which is equally as iconic, right? That album is just one of those albums that people still are in wonder of, right? Oh, exactly. Now, what was on the charts this week, though? Oh, yeah, this is funny. Um, the charts are kind of amusing, given that we're talking about this song. Number five was the Supremes, "Back in My Arms" again.
0: Oh, great number four
1: song. was Elvis Presley and the Jordanaires, "Crying in the Chapel." I don't know. I, this is one of my again. I grew up with this guy. My eldest brother Lee. He loved Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. And number three is "Wooly Bully." Oh yeah, <laughs> I just love that. And I like "Little Red Riding Hood" too. Such a great song. The Birds with it, Bob Dylan song, and number two called "Mr. Tambourine Man," um, and number one, of course, is the Four Tops with and i love the four tops they're probably my favorite motown band
0: well okay. and, th- and this song right i can't help myself what a what a ah, great tune great and song now that's going to be stuck in my head all night here because yeah well it was with
1: me all day yesterday so fair is fair <laughs> so so yeah that was in the top five i mean dylan was standing heads and shoulders above. i mean they're great songs don't misunderstand me but i mean you can't really compare the two right
0: no exactly Now, what do you think? You ready to uh, cross the country and jump ahead a few years to 1971? And we're going to California? We are. And in fact, we're going to go to the Los Angeles area, and more specifically, Laurel Canyon. But we're going to go to June 17th, 1971, and uh, well, it's it's an album release, and uh, it's a monstrous album release uh, that seemingly came out of nowhere. So why don't you punch it in, and we'll uh, talk about it when we get there.
1: There we go, my friend.
0: All right, off to L.A. we go. Well, here we are, June 17th, 1971. We're in Los Angeles. Aaron, I forgot how hot L.A. is in the summer. Man, I should have packed my shorts. I totally forgot.
1: Ooh, but you know, last few days here in Toronto feels a lot like this.
0: (laughs) Well, same same as in Ottawa here. It's been very, very warm.
1: Yeah, I'm not... uh... Was that a fire tornado over th- No, just kidding. <laughs> so what are we doing in Laurel Canyon?
0: Well, Laurel Canyon, of course, what an interesting area, home to many, many famous musicians. Among them, though, Carol King, who went mm-hmm. to number one on the U.S. album charts with Tapestry on June 17th, 1971, so today. And it was 15 consecutive weeks on the charts, and what a monster album. Again, you know, we uh, on our old podcast, we did a whole show about this and uh the list of tracks, right? You you know, it's too late. I feel the earth move. Will you love me tomorrow? You've got a friend. Um just an incredible
1: album. The title track itself.
0: Yes. And uh the the iconic photograph taken, right, of her Laurel Canyon she's in her Laurel Canyon home and she's sitting in a window frame holding a tapestry that she hand stitched with her cat how do you pronounce that Telemachus <laughs>
1: I'm not even going to try
0: no but you know with Telemachus, her cat,
1: Telemachus Telemachus
0: yeah and the cat sitting there at her feet you know just I guess the thing that always impressed me about this album is, is she went from being known as a songwriter during the 60s with Jerry Goffin her ex-husband and after they split up in 1968 she decided to move to Los Angeles with a couple of kids in tow and uh went on to performing and it took some convincing to get her to perform. She was a very reluctant performer. And then all of a sudden comes out with what for a while was the greatest selling album of all time, wasn't it?
1: Well, um, and not that I'm bitter, but it kept Ram from number one. That's right. um, For my money, you know, Paul McCartney, Ram. Uh, Yeah, it was a huge album. I mean, it was, it was a monster album, monster singles. Well, what's interesting, Tony, is that prior to this album, she was in a band called The City. Yes. And they did, they did, they did nothing. Yeah, Their they had, album did nothing.
0: They had two albums, didn't they, that really Yeah, and they,
1: they were flops. Yeah. I mean, I, so no one thought for it. No one would think, oh, yeah, well, this is going to be a big album. I think they thought it might be a mild. Hey, do you think that um, last week we spoke about, uh, we were in Ottawa, your hometown, or your hometown now, um, about Alanis said and i and i think that she was very influenced by carol king especially this album in many ways what do you think oh
0: i there's no doubt uh, this album just broke down the the door for female singer songwriters didn't it
1: yeah yeah and i think even the even the whole um personal element that's in some of those songs you mentioned earlier on where it you know, I mean, I mean, she kind of writes about her breakup with her husband, and you know, all those kinds of things is all in this album, right?
0: Well, and, and the other thing is, and and again, sexism in the music industry. You know, Carol King is not half naked on the cover. You know, she's sitting there in pants and a sweater, holding up a quilt with her cat. Like everything, it, it just astounds me that the success that this. I mean, it's it's a well worth. It deserves all the success that it achieved, but. You know what I mean, though? Like, there was an expectation for some women artists that you, uh, you know, it wasn't the same playing field as for the men, unfortunately.
1: No, it never has been. I don't even know if it it is today, but, you know, maybe more so today than it was in 71. And the fact that this album, you know, got... Listen, when I worked in radio, and this is a true story, when I worked in radio, and part of one of my jobs for about a year was programming records, and I I remember the station manager coming to me going, Aaron... What's with this new single you just put on by Blonde? We've already got five other women on the charts. That's enough. I'm like, what? Doesn't matter. You're counting, like, yeah. seriously. But that's the, I, you know, that's what we were taught in in radio.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, but uh, Carol King, too. What a fascinating person. Uh, well, you got me that uh, her biography for my birthday there, it's, but it's uh, a
1: it's a quick it's a quick read, but a good read. It's right? It's a
0: good read, and just the whole the contradiction, right? Like living in the middle of Idaho, you know, (laughs) and and living in a, in a cabin with no electricity and uh, bizarre. And then, you know, but. uh,
1: Nice Jewish girl from Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, the other thing about this album too, is who plays on it. You got Joni Mitchell, James Taylor. I mean, it's, 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 um, you know, the, 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 the artists at the time. You know, the being capital letters. James Taylor sounds great on this album.
0: Oh, for sure. And like you said, I love Joni Mitchell. By the way, I uh, big Me too. fan. Me too. You know, I'm hoping uh, on one of our road trips that she'll come up in uh, rock and roll history because uh, what a what a pioneer she was as well. Boy.
1: Oh, I, you know, just we should talk about the Blue album or, oh. um Court and Spark. Yeah, for sure. So many so many albums that are just absolute classics and and. Um, it's funny you mentioned that because I was just listening on the weekend to Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young's first album, Deja Vu, and a lot of the songs on that album by um, Graham Nasher about her. And um, she's not on the album, but you can feel her on the album, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Her influence, right? So, But Carol King, yeah, she was she was kicking down the door and she was beating all that. I mean... She was beating the Stones. She was beating uh, Lennon, Jethro Toll. I mean, 71. If you look at 71, oh, the What a that year came in out, music.
0: Well, that's when uh, What's Going On came out, Marvin Gaye, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's these these 15 weeks is what? Three months, four months? Yeah. And number one. That's amazing, you know? That- and. This week, if you look at the singles chart, she's number one on the singles chart. But it's too late, and I feel the earth move. And
0: you know what? It's too late. I love that song. Love, love, love that song.
1: Yeah, it's a classic. It's a classic. I mean, and the fact that the single, most songs are one-sided, not one-sided, but when you look at the chart, it's one song. Mm-hmm. This one is two songs at number one by her. So the A side and the B side were being played equally on the radio, which is, again, other than the Beatles, kind of unheard of, right?
0: Yeah, no, uh, for sure. So let's uh, let's go over those charts then. Who was at number five?
1: This is this is an artist that you may or may not know. I love Ringo Starr.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> it don't come easy, which is an amazing amazing song. Which actually features a certain Stephen Stills playing guitar um, and George Harrison, of course, and Badfinger. The Rolling Stones with Brown Sugar, and number four. And the honeycombs. T- that,
0: that oh brown sugar i just gotta say <laughs> you know i told my kids we were studying uh the rolling stones and i said you know i can't play brown sugar for you it's actually one of my favorite Stones song but i i, I said you know i'll probably get in trouble <laughs> so i'm not playing brown sugar for you because uh, you know they a couple of them had i i'd asked them to get a list of songs by the rolling stones right and uh i sang brown sugar in a rock band years ago actually so
1: See, I would love to hear you sing rock. <laughs> I would love, because I think you got that voice, that, that you got a very mellow voice, but very powerful, right? And I think you could really take that song on. I'd like to hear, it. I, I, although I really want to see you walk like a chicken while you sing it. <laughs>
0: So anyway, so I didn't mean to interrupt there, but I just got oh, ha- I had hard, to tell right, you. I had so, to tell so you. So
1: did the kids understand or did they go and listen to it on their own? Oh, or? I'm sure
0: they went and listened to it on their own. As soon as I said, I can't play it here because I'll get in trouble. I'm sure that's the first thing they put on, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not, I don't think it's not offensive or but what do I know? Number three is The Honeycones with the want Ads. I don't know if you remember that one. That was a good song. Carpenters, carpenters, rainy days and Mondays. Um, always bring me down. Yeah, I, you know, I hated the Carpenters all my life until the last five years. I kind of went, you know what? These guys are pretty good.
0: Yeah, you know what? I was in the same boat, but uh, I appreciate them more now. And, yeah, uh, me too. She's, she was a terrific drummer. I, I didn't know that about her until uh, fairly recently.
1: Did you see the documentary on PBS about them?
0: No, I didn't.
1: Oh, Tony, if you can find it on YouTube, it's a good documentary. I, I've seen it twice. And and I just kind of developed an appreciation for their music. And I like Rainy Days and Mondays. It's a a pretty good song. I do too. And number one, Carole King. It's too late and I feel the earth move.
0: Oh, there you go. Uh, Well, my friend, this has been an uh, excellent road trip, hasn't it?
1: Oh, it's been beyond. It's been fantastic. You know... When we get back to present day, we should talk about how people can maybe hear us in a different way and music that we're talking about.
0: For sure. So uh, let's head back to the present. And you've got a little musical gift for me, don't you? Waiting for me oh, to listen it's... to. Okay, punch it in, lad. Let's go to the present.
1: All right. Gotcha. So we've been talking about such iconic albums, songs. Tony, I have a gift for you tonight. It's currently number one in America, and but maybe choose the song as I went for a drive on Sunday and I saw a sign at McDonald's saying they have the BTS meals.
0: Oh my god! <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it's not it's not a McDonald's commercial you're gonna hear, <laughs> but it is BTS.
0: Oh boy. Okay. Uh,
1: the, number one song called Butter.
0: Okay. Well, you know what. Uh, is it uh, like more than three minutes or what?
1: Just by three seconds.
0: Oh, okay. I well, I mean, I'll never get those three minutes back. But uh, nope. oh, no, no, right. you
1: would never get those three minutes back.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm going to listen to "Butter" by BTS. Enjoy. So, uh, what did I do to uh, upset you this week? <laughs>
1: well it all started uh no no i'm I'm
0: just kidding
1: (laughs) i know you are i know you
0: are (laughs) um so that is what south korean backstreet boys clones right is that is that what i'm was listening to
1: yeah official k-pop yes uh,
0: okay i i know absolutely nothing about k-pop i have to say i you know i know uh kids listen to it but it's one of those styles or genres or i don't know what you call it uh, that i know nothing about um obviously not my cup of tea but uh, was, there,
1: was there even an instrument in that song
0: no no it was it was karaoke right uh, <laughs> <laughs> basically right like that's that's what that was, um, that was very good. One. but it's uh you know and, I, and i'm uh well, I would assume that our demographic listening to the show are not K-pop fans anyway, so I'm not too worried about offending anybody. But it, it was just—it's throwaway pop music, isn't it? Like that's—that's that's yeah, what that it's is. It's disposable pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's not offensive. No, I mean, it's—it it, it doesn't offend, but it's bland.
0: Yeah, and, and in fact, I'd say it's the exact opposite of offensive. It's—it's it's bland, 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 right? Because it—it it sounds like any other number of throwaway pop songs out there and i guess that's just the reality of the digital age that we live in but um now i don't know again i know nothing about k-pop like are these boy bands do each of the guys in the band have a personality and like people follow their favorite you know because i know that that's how it always has been in the past but is that a thing in k-pop or
1: it it sure is and and um actually they're, they are huge Beatle fans, oh, and okay. they they played on um, whatever show was filmed at the David Letterman Theater, which used to be the Ed Sullivan Theater, and they came on with Beetle wigs and collarless suits, and it was very cute. But you know, Tony, uh, McDonald's have these meals. Oh, yeah, the BTS kids.
0: meals or whatever they're called, right, or...
1: Yeah, but the packaging is selling for big money because I guess it's not for sale in Korea. So these Korean fans are going crazy because I want the cups and the plates <laughs> and. The...
0: <laughs> and I guess I guess we can uh, you know in some ways we can blame all that on the Beatles, right? But all that. Oh, let's not go there <laughs> <laughs> with all the collectibles and stuff. <laughs> How did it come to this? <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know how it went from up here to
0: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but anyway, you know what? It's harmless, disposable pop music, right? That's that. Yeah. That's my take. It's exactly on
1: what it is. Yeah, and fast food. Fast food.
0: It's exactly. It's it's the McDonald's of pop music, right? That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Except I don't know. Do you get heartburn after
1: or not? <laughs> uh, Mad <my> cow disease. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: Um, you know, and again, I, I always lament the the amount of auto tune being used, and I wish people would just sing. But it's
1: uh, I want you to one day listen to um, just because it's not auto tune, but but Stan Freeberg, you know, Stan Freeberg, yeah, he did a great parody of Elvis, and at that point, Elvis was putting a lot of echo in his voice. And and he's doing Elvis, and he's saying a little more echo, a little more echo, and then finally, <laughs> as he's singing, he goes, he says. Please turn off it. Turn me off. Turn me off. <laughs> it's, it's one of the finest moments. Oh, really nice. Is.
0: So, we're going to go from listening to uh, that new music, but you know, uh, we kind of foreshadowed it earlier in the episode. I did it on purpose when I said that we're a pair of old souls. Did you pick up on that? I did. Yeah. So, uh, we love talking about music uh, and we're going to give people another chance to hear us talk about music because dun, da, 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 do you want to uh, make the announcement? No, go.
1: I, I like how you're Can This is good. You're explaining it well. Keep okay. Going, so
0: Aaron and I are doing a radio show on Spotify. It's only on Spotify and it is going to be a radio show and it is called Before My Time. And the whole premise of the show is we're going to be Talking about old music that influenced us. Not only old music, but new covers of old songs that we think are cool. And sometimes we'll even touch on maybe a a new artist who is very retro in their styling. But we're going to be talking about uh, the music that influenced us. And it's going to be everything from jazz to rock and roll. I know I'm going to have some very early jazz. Each week, one of us is going to make a Spotify playlist. And we'll be talking about it and actually playing the entire song on the show. And if you're a Spotify premium subscriber, you will get to hear the entire song. It'll be just like listening to the radio, won't it?
1: Yeah, we talk about the song and then we can, because here we talk about the music. And I don't know about you, Tony, and I think you made a joke earlier on about now you got uh, four tops in your head. And you know, this would be a chance that we could talk about a song and then you, the listener, can actually hear what we're talking about and, and and I'm really excited about that Because you and I talked about this You know, Tony and I, I'm sure if we lived in the same city We'd probably spend, we'd be up all night Playing each other records You know, That's right um, And that, you know, I did that as a young person with friends And, and I, I bore the hell out of my wife <laughs> Listen to this song But this is our chance to kind of Pick some songs Talk about them And what I love about it was we've recorded one show already Which, which is coming up very soon Tony picked three songs. I picked three, and I had I wasn't overly familiar with the ones that Tony picked, so it was great for me to hear them. And I, when I listened back to the show, I was like, "This is great." I like, and, you know, we send each other our lists and we send each other songs, and I'm so excited. So yeah. Excited.
0: So it's going to be a uh, only on Spotify. If you don't have Spotify Premium, you can still listen to the show, but you only hear I think 10 seconds or 15 seconds of the song. But we'll we'll attach a a link to a playlist so that you can listen to the songs in full afterwards. But there's going to be a little bit of everything. I know uh, I want to do uh, an episode all about early French jazz. I love that stuff. So
1: mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to do a show about early K-pop.
0: Oh, just kidding. I'm kidding.
1: I'm <laughs> kidding.
0: The show just failed before it started. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, look forward on Spotify. It's already up actually the first episode and, and uh the show is called Before My Time, and it's a Spotify radio show, so I am very excited about it.
1: Me too. And we're, we're going to put some stuff on Facebook in the next few days so we're, to remind people about it. And, uh, you know, and as always, folks, you can, you know, send us a message through the music machine, Wayback Music Machine, email us, call us. There's that voicemail piece. We want to hear from you. We really, really want to hear from you. So feel free to, and there's a few people we chat with, eh, Tony? Like Uh, Michelle and Louise, and it's great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We love engaging with fans. So, And another excellent road trip, Aaron. Uh, Good to be home, though, and uh, excited about launching our new show as well. And we'll be back next week with another Wayback Music Machine as well. So,
1: Yay.
0: All right. Have a good week, my friend.
1: Have a great week, too, and take it easy and stay cool.
0: Yeah, you, too. Music for today's episode of the Wayback Music Machine podcast was written by Rick Denis. The show notes, chart selection, and Spotify playlist were created by Aaron Badgley.
1: And the artwork, recording, editing, and sound production was done by Tony Stewart. If you enjoy today's episode, please be sure to tell a friend or two. And don't forget to click follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast player to get the latest episodes automatically.
0: And we'd love it if you would leave us a review. You can also engage with the show by going on our website and leaving us a voicemail. We may even play our
1: voicemail on an upcoming episode. Thanks for taking this road trip with us, and we'll see you next time on the Wayback Music Machine Podcast. Hey, turn the radio up. I love this song.
0: The Wayback Music Machine podcast is a Stewie Tunes production.